Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Good morning, Your Place Church, and welcome to our first ever YPC Easter Experience Online. We're super happy that you guys are spending your Easter with us. And uh, I wanted to celebrate a few things with you. Uh, yesterday we had our Easter egg outreach. Uh, gave over thousands of candy-filled eggs away to lots of little kids. They drove through our parking lot and we were able to pass them out, give them a little note from us to them. What a great experience. And I know they had as, as good of a time as we had. Also, I wanted to say thank you to every person who has given in our, in our foster care initiative that we have right here at Your Place Church. We've had these donation boxes set up out in the breezeway, and uh, you guys are giving to that. We appreciate that. Thank you so much for getting behind the mission and the vision of Your Place Church. We're so thankful for all of you. If you're new with us today, my name is Darian Rains. Uh, I'm the pastor of Your Place Church, and today we're celebrating our 11-year anniversary. 11 years ago today, we actually threw the doors open at Your Place Church. Happy birthday, Your Place Church. Look at you. You're getting so big. I'm proud of you. I mean, you bought your own building. You've renovated it. You're making a difference in the community. Well done. Can you believe it? It's been 11 years And we're so thankful for you guys navigating all of this crazy times with us. You know, there was an estimated 1,100 people who watched our online service last week. So we are just in awe of what God is doing, not only in our county, but really all over the world. We've got new subscribers to our our YouTube channel. Me being one of them, I wasn't even subscribed to our YouTube channel until last week. Um, so, yeah, so those are going up. And I, I love what one, poor, uh, one lady said. She said that she felt the presence of God come into her living room while she was watching during one of the service times last week. And she said she several times last week she just felt the presence of God. She was moved to tears. Listen, guys, I know this isn't ideal, But God is using it, and it's working, friends. It is working. Today, we're actually wrapping up our series on the book of James. I really feel in my heart that next week we're supposed to start a brand new series. But as for today, I want to invite you to read James chapter 5 with me. And let me just pause right here and say this. This is not your typical Easter service today. We are, we, if you're new with us, we've been tracking along the book of James for the last 16 weeks at Your Place Church, and uh, it just didn't seem right to pause that series when we just had one more service, or one more service in the series. And so I'm just going to pick right up here in James chapter 5, verse 7, and I'd invite you to read with me. The Bible says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the, Lord is, the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers or sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. 
Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. We want to spend some time on this Easter weekend right here in this text in James chapter 5. But before we do, let's invite the presence of the Lord to lead us. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, God. Lord, it is Resurrection Sunday, and we are so grateful for everything that Jesus did for us on that cross. And Father, right now, we lean into your presence. We lean into the Holy Spirit. And we ask you that you would just allow the text the scripture, to come alive to us. Father, speak to us. Show us things in our own lives, Father. We trust you for that. We worship you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've really um, been getting into some of the old songs that I used to listen to when I first got saved. I'm talking, I mean, I'm 47, and I got saved when I was 17. And so all of those old songs that I used to cut my teeth on way back then are for some reason coming back up, and I'm re-listening to some of these songs. And I actually came across an old DC Talk song. You guys remember DC Talk? Uh, I came across a song that uh, it's titled, I Wished We'd All Been Ready. And the chorus of the song is pretty simple. It says, there's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. Like it's one of those get your life right with Jesus kind of songs. And it's basically a wake-up call for humanity. But then I find it interesting because I read the scripture for this week. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? Look at verse 8. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. People are asking, is all this that we see happening in the world a sign of the times? I mean, every day we wake up, we're getting closer to Jesus coming back, friends. I mean, that's just the reality. But there are moments in history where people have this, I don't know, heightened awareness of God, of heaven, of the second coming of Jesus. And this time just happens to be one of them. I know there's a lot of different things that provoke people's thoughts. I mean, I, I remember back in 2012, there was the whole Mayan calendar thing, right? The Mayan calendar ran out, and so Jesus must be coming. Uh, just, just a few days ago, we had a blood moon. And again, that's mentioned in Scripture. So people are like, man, Jesus must be coming. Oh, I mean, we've canceled all major sports in our world. I mean, friends, there was no March Madness this year. The world is obviously coming to an end, right? And so there's this heightened awareness. And I think whenever we start talking about the second coming of Jesus, most of us, we either love to talk about this or we hate talking about this, right? I know for me, when I got saved at 17, I can remember praying prayers like, Lord, just don't come until I get married, Right? I just, just don't come until I get married because I really want to be married. And then I can remember 
you know, I got married and I was like, God, just don't come until I, until I have a family. I, I really want to I really know what it's like to, to raise children. And then I was like, God, don't come. Don't come until I, until I see some success in my life, some success in my career. And then years passed and then I can remember saying, God, I really want to know what it's like to have grandchildren. So don't, don't come until I can see and have and experience what it's like to have grandchildren. Well, I can tell you right now, um, all of that has happened in my life. And so there really is no reason for him to wait. So here we go, my friends. Here we, here we go. Jesus is about to crack the sky. And so many people, I think, I think they just don't know what to expect when we're talking about the second coming of Christ. And so that makes them uneasy. Can I just, can I just be honest with you? Imagine going on your dream vacation. I mean, you've thought about it. You really have no idea what to expect. But then when you go and it's better than you ever anticipated, it's going to be just like that, friends. It's going to be just like that. Yet for some of us, there's a lot of fear associated with Jesus coming back. And there are several scriptures in the Bible that talk about this. I mean, one out of 30 verses in the Bible mentions in some way the subject of the end times or Christ's return. There are over 216 chapters in the New Testament, and there are well over 300 references that point to the return of Christ or the end times in the New Testament. 23 out of the 27 New Testament books mention Christ's return. I mean, the whole reason we're celebrating Easter this weekend is because Jesus Christ came to the earth, redeemed mankind, and created a way for us all to go to heaven. We read in Scripture in John chapter 14, verse 3, And if I go to prepare a place for you, this is Jesus talking, I will come back. And I will take you with me that you also may be where I am. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, uh, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this all happen? Like even the disciples were like, hey, when's this thing going down, right? And what will the sign of your coming and the, and the end of the age Everybody wants to know, is this the beginning of the end? And as far as I can read it, yeah, it is. And I realize there's a lot of people out there and a lot of past generations that could have said the same thing. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of past generations had some things happen that they're like, this is the generation where Jesus is coming back. But there are some unique situations that we're seeing in our generation that no other generation can say. I think there are, uh, there, there's some things happening right now, some prophetic words that are, that are going on that, that have only happened in our generation. The Bible says that the gospel will be preached all over the world. And with technology, this is really the only generation that can make that happen. I mean, used to, it used to cost millions of dollars and we had to smuggle things into different countries. Now, today, you can have an entire Bible school in your pocket. So just by way of technology, this is one of the generations that, that we could see the second coming of Jesus Christ. Either way, we're living in a really special day. 
The Holy Spirit is moving like never before. And I know we don't see or hear about a lot of the revivals in America that we're hearing in different parts of the country. But listen to me, friends. There are more people alive today than ever before. There's more people getting saved today than ever before. Every day, 170,000 complete Bibles are being distributed. There are over 11 million portions of Scripture that are being passed around this globe every single day. I read a stat recently that said Christianity is growing at 9.3% a year, which is, which is three times the population growth of our planet. Other religions are, are showing, like for instance, Islam, 2.7% a year, which is right at population growth. We live in probably the most exciting time in history. And if you look at a, at a graph of our little piece of history, you would see that our little chunk of life, that about the time that modern medicine was developed, that the life expectancy increased and the population sharply increased. And they're saying now that by the year 2050, 2050, that there are going to be over 9 billion people on the planet. So this is 2020, so just in 30 years, there's going to be 9 billion people on the earth. And listen, this is the time that we're alive, right here, right now. So it's pretty important to understand the times that we live in. And I've been saying this for a few weeks now. I believe that James has been setting us up for something special. He's got something in mind for us here. That's why, we're, that's why we're reading through the book of James. Jesus says, I'm sorry, James says in verse 9, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Can I be honest with you, friends? Adversity, more than anything else, will cause us to gravitate to one of two different sides. On one side, when we experience adversity, we are poised to grumble and complain. You know, because we can't control what's going on. I recently read a post uh, from a good friend of mine, Darren Tyler. He pastors Conduit Church in Franklin, Tennessee. He's the one that we do a lot of our missions trips with. And he posted this on his social media recently. He says, if you've traveled with me to a developing nation, you've heard me say, submit to the chaos. For the trip to be the most enjoyable for you, you're going to need to let go of all the things you can't control. Why is everyone cutting in line? Why are they not paying attention to traffic lights? Every, why don't they just do this, he says, is a kick against the chaos. And it's a cry for control that you don't have. And it's exhausting, Darren says. And then the Bible says it this way in Romans 12. He says, be patient in affliction. Letting go of what we can't control and focusing on what we can control. So adversity, more than anything else, will, will create one of two responses in us. Number one, this temptation to grumble and complain. The other thing that it will create in us is 
I mean, really, it's an appreciation. Adversity can create an appreciation. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm really enjoying the family time that I have right now in this season. I mean, it's a, we're supposed to shelter in place and everybody stay home. And like, yeah, the one thing I'm noticing versus being upset about that is, man, I'm really enjoying my family during this season. I'm actually enjoying being home. <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, man, I'm, but I'm home all the time. Man, the pace of life made it so that we couldn't be home as much as we wanted to, and now we're forced to be home. I'm actually enjoying this season. And the, the other thing I'm enjoying is this time that I have with my Savior. I mean, the worship has gone up. My prayer times have gone up. Man, see these times for what they are. These are opportunities. After the book of James in the Bible, there are the books 1st and 2nd Peter. And I want to read from 2nd Peter chapter 3, verse 3. It says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. I mean, we've seen this on Facebook. I mean, there are people right there that are talking about preachers, talking about churches, talking about going on. Listen, right or wrong, it's still scoffing. And the scripture says in the last days, scoffers will come. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as if since the beginning of creation. What's the, what's the question they're asking? Why has is, why is Jesus not come back? And they're doing it kind of in a kind of a way, scoffing kind of way. Well, verse 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. What's the answer? I believe God is giving us a little bit more time so that more people can come to repentance. I mean, come on, guys. Over four and a half million people turned into or tuned into church online in the last few weeks. Four and a half million. The gospel is reaching people like never before. And Jesus, trust me, Jesus is excited to come back and take us home. He's up there going, now God, now is this the time? And God's saying, no, give him one more day. Oh, give him one more day. Give him one more day. The thing I think we need to be aware of is... This too is going to pass. This whole pandemic that we're living in, this whole quarantine life, right? This, this too is going to, it's going to pass. And the temptation is that life is going to go back to normal. And it, it'll be a new normal. And we're all saying the same thing. I know for us, we, we fill out the marriage journal and, and it asks the same five questions every week. And uh, the question last week when Tyra and I was doing this was, hey, what's one dream or desire or craving that you have right now? And I looked at Tyra and I said, I just want to go to Dilly Diner. <laughs> I, just, I don't want to go to some exotic place. I just want to go back and eat at the little diner that serves the coffee that we like. And we sit in our favorite booth. We have our favorite waitress come over and, and wait on us. Like, I don't want to just... Take it curbside and go home. I want to go to the diner, right? And what we want is we want to get really distracted with life again. That's what we're saying. Stuff is our greatest distraction. The busyness of life is our greatest 
distraction. And we want to be distracted by that again. The problem is, is we lose sight of eternity when life is normal. We're more in tune with things on the earth. Man, our generation has more stuff than ever before. More vacation options, more channels, more fast food, more restaurants. Our grandparents were focused more on heaven than us because they didn't have all of these distractions. I think Matthew 24 says it this way. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. You know what my concern is? My concern is, is as we get back to normal, people will forget about God. They'll forget about eternity. They'll forget about all of this stuff. And even though we're seeing a lot of people come to Christ right now, there's still this mass movement of people away from His goodness. The Bible does talk about a major revival where people will be saved, and I think we're seeing that right now. But many will also turn cold to the things of God. Matthew 24 goes on to say, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Not some, most, the Bible says. I think that's a warning to all of us that people who've had an authentic moment with Jesus, if they're not careful, their love will grow cold. Listen, friends, this too will pass, and we will once again think that Jesus isn't coming, at least right now. And I know a lot of people get skeptical when you talk, start talking about the return of Christ. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 says this, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, people aren't going to be ready. It talks about virgins and the bridegroom coming and how they weren't ready for Jesus. Matthew goes on to say, Two men will be in a field. In other words, social distancing will be over, right? Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding in a hand mill, right? In other words, restaurants will be open again. Uh, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. If James is trying to get us ready for something because potentially the end is near, then what do we need to do? And in closing, guys, I just want to give you real quickly four things. Four things that we need to be doing right now. If it's true that James, for the last 16 weeks at Your Place Church, has been preparing us for something, then what do we need to do? Number one, we should pray. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says, Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. So that you can pray. Why? Because prayer keeps us in tune with God. What God is doing, what He's saying. And listen, we, we are believing for the day to come quicker than we think that we can all get back together right here at Your Place Church for Wednesday night prayer, for Tuesday lunch prayer, for Sunday morning prayer. Like We're, we're waiting for that day. But listen, just because we can't gather 
together. Don't stop praying. Don't neglect your prayer life. Our rhythms are off right now, but we have to create new ones, new disciplines. Prayer changes things. Man, I come into prayer sometimes after reading the stats and what COVID 19's doing and the economy. When I come into prayer with all of that stuff, I come out with a God perspective. I come out with heaven on my mind. I think God is encouraging us as a church that's like a family to move a little bit more towards the spiritual things. Quarantine can make us lazy in our disciplines. He's moving us back to a heavenly mindset. Praying for our city. Praying for our families, our marriages, the next generation. Which, by the way, we have a special announcement today. Right around just after lunch. Pay attention to all of our social media platforms because we got some big news happening here. The second thing that I think James is encouraging us to do right now as a church is to to focus on our relationships. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Above all, in other words, pay attention to this, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, when he returns... It's not a good time to have bitterness and unforgiveness destroying you. It's not a good time to allow issues to become more important than people in your life. Because there's one thing that matters most to God and it's people. It's people. And I'm just trying to be your friend right now. Alright guys? When you're more earthly minded, you'll put an issue between you and a person. James is saying, above all. Above, I'm sorry, Peter. Peter's saying, above all. This is a good time to look for ways to show the love of God. It really is. The, the, the third thing that I think James is preparing us, is he's preparing us that, to encourage us to use our gifts. I mean, this is what life is all about. First Peter goes on to say this, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. To serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things may be praised God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. Listen, when this whole thing is over, we're going to have lots of people coming back to church. The whole reason we're building this place right now, the whole reason we expanded the, the, the foyer and the coffee shop and the kids areas is because the crowds are coming and we're getting ready for them. But you know what we need right now more than ever? We need more drummers. We need more musicians. We need people in our creative teams because there's a lot of video going on right now. We need, we need people to host 
these e-groups, these online, electronic, virtual platforms where people are just getting together. That's what we need right now, and that's the gift you could use. If James is really preparing us as a church for something, then the last thing I think James is saying to all of us in this whole series is I need to get my life right with God. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. I want to show you a story of someone at your place church and how they've prepared themselves for this season. Take a look at this. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.